everyone, Brendan the Blind Guy here. Now, with all of the dread of this year, you may at times feel like giving up and checking out under the rising sun as you float up to the castles in the sky surrounded by 29 gold stars. But before you check out, you may want to stop and listen to this incredible lad. His inspirational story will crush your demons and wrap you in a warm hug. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Nathan Cavalieri. How are you, Nathan? I'm great, mate. Wow, what, a, what an intro. <laughs> oh, thank very, you. Very well done. Very well done. Yeah, do, I'm great. I do love doing my intros. Yep. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, before I get into the main reason for our chat, like, I've just got a few dot points here of, like, some of the incredible things that you've accomplished in in, um, in your years. Okay, so, I mean, people, you for the full story, you can check out um, the press release I'll be publishing, but here's a few. Okay, so at age three, you were able to play along to your favourite blues albums on guitar. At age five, you were able to play the electric guitar. At age six, you played your first gig busking at your mum's coffee shop where you made a whopping $270. And I mean, for a six-year-old, that's like a million dollars. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. And... But wait, there's more, there's more. And then soon after, unfortunately, you were diagnosed with leukemia and treated. uh, And then the Starlight Foundation actually set up a meeting with you and your hero, uh, Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits, which I'm incredibly jealous of, incredibly jealous. (laughs) Money for Nothing is the first song I ever fell in love with, I tell you. What a song. Oh, I mean, (laughs) that's the first song I ever remember jamming to, ever. So. Yep, I can relate to that. Yep. Okay. And, And then, soon after your meeting with Mark, you attracted the attention of the media and Aussie icons. And then from there, you've went to selling out arenas with incredible artists like B.B. King, uh, Jimmy Barnes, Diesel, and many more, plus having an acting career on several uh, big uh, TV and film, uh, and then uh, had Prince and Madonna fighting over you in a bidding war, trying to get you to sign to their label, which, who won? Neither. It was, you ended up signing to Michael Jackson's label. Wow. I mean, (laughs) that is incredible. So how did all of that kind of affect you growing up? Like, did you, yeah, I I, I just can't imagine. Like, how was it growing up with all of that? Well, it it just felt like life. It's a strange thing to say, but I didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, being me being sick as a kid, I got a lot of therapy out of playing my guitar. That's probably when my relationship with music deepened, Hmm. um, during that period. Um, and then, you know, everything snowballed from there that there was a lot of coverage, um, that the Mark Knopfler, um, Starlight Wish, uh, attracted and that, yeah, just snowballed into a, a lot of other amazing, 
um, epic experiences that I didn't really realize how um, what a bigger deal it was until much much later in life. Yeah. Um, but you know, just just like anything, there is is there's often a flip side. Like I I did find it challenging at times. Um, to go through all that while I was growing up and going through school and and being a teenager, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty special. I I I've only really started reflecting on those experiences as an adult. Um, mm. Before that, I just um, yeah, I never took the time. You know? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, as you said, you didn't know any better. So yeah, wow. Oh, yeah, what a, what yeah. A life. Well, it was it was interesting because the um, going through all that, particularly during those school years, it's we like you know teenagers. We don't really celebrate our wins. Maybe if we're playing sport, mm. um, but outside of that, we don't really celebrate our wins. So it's it's something that kind of made me uncomfortable more than anything. Uh, yeah. When I was out there and I was performing and I was doing my thing, I felt on cloud nine, but to, to come home when you're in the public eye, that, that was uncomfortable because I, I just wanted to, to blend in and, and not be you know looked at or, or anything like that. So yeah. that probably had a lot to do with the fact that I, I didn't really stop and, and reflect on those accomplishments because, um, you know, of that particular mindset. So. Yeah. Okay. And, so, in your early teens, you luckily went into remission, and then sometime after after returning to Australia at the age 13, unfortunately, you were hit with severe depression and anxiety. Now, I was kind of thinking, because as you know, I've got my own condition that I've fought with, so... I was kind of thinking, like, people have often asked me, like, if you didn't have the condition you have and you weren't blind and all of that, what would you do in life? And I've just kind of not been able to answer. I've been like, well, I, I don't know any different. This this is who yeah. I am. Like, so it kind of made me think, did you ever kind of, like, after going into remission and after coming home and the wheels kind of slowing down a bit, did you ever kind of have the feeling of going, well, hang on, I no longer have to, you know, heal through my music and go, did you ever kind of go through a bit of an identity crisis of going, well, if I'm not just a incredible artist that you know um is fighting leukemia and now i'm just an incredible artist you know is, is it all worth it and you know it, it this is a bit of an odd question for me to articulate but do you kind of get where i'm going like did you ever yeah I, yeah i do i do um well um yeah uh, firstly the uh the depression anxiety and stuff actually didn't really hit me until my late 20s oh okay um yeah, yeah. I um, when I was about fifteen, my parents, we were all getting a, a little bit tired, um, with you know, because it was we're backwards and forwards from the states, and and we hadn't really stopped since I was seven, eight years old. Yeah. Um. So they wanted to just give me the opportunity and the space to evaluate and examine whether I wanted to be when whether I wanted a life in music, um, the only way I would be able to decide that is, is just to stop and 
and just live normally and, and, and just see where it goes and experiment and find myself. I was also going through puberty, so mm. they were awkward, awkward years. Yeah. And so I, I, I took time to um, um, experiment, like um, well, evolve my craft as a producer and a writer, um, and that was throughout my, my 20s. And then I, I had a, a moment where, um, as, as far as identity was concerned, those, those were years where I, I was, and as I mentioned before, I was, I was feeling uncomfortable with my name. Mm. Um, because I didn't want to be, um, I hated the word prodigy. I hated it. Like I just wanted to just play music and, and do my thing. So I, I didn't like my view of my perception of myself. I now know at that time was inaccurate because I just saw myself as, um, man, I don't want to be seen as that little kid. And, you know, I, I, you know, and so I ended up forming a band with with some mates called Nat Cole and the Kings, and that was a really heavy blues mm. rock band. I deliberately didn't use my name, and um, and then I got to a point um, through throughout actually throughout it, I had other artists saying to me, and these are incredible artists that I looked up to, just questioning why I wasn't using my name. Yeah, and um, you know, I told them, and and each time I'd get an answer, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm. Um, maybe my perception of my name is very different to the rest of the world's perception of, of who I am. Mm. And and then I fell into a, a depression and anxiety. And that was nothing to do with identity, having an identity crisis or anything like that. That was actually just, just I, I just had a mortal moment. I was, yeah. I was I'd, I'd lost a few friends at that time. Oh. And it made me question my own mortality. Yeah. And in a way that I'd never, and I think there was probably a little bit of latency because I never, I, I did reflect on my experience plighting leukemia, um, as a teenager and where I realized, oh, I, I, I could have passed and I didn't, but it didn't really, really sink in probably until my mid to late twenties. Yeah. And it just, it brought on so much anxiety and my lack of education on how to deal with that anxiety mm. was how it ended up corrupting so many different areas of life that were unrelated it was just it was it spiraled way out of control until it just it just i would it was an ordeal to even go down the road and have a a burger with a mate or or whatever but to, to to connect this back to what you were you were saying is that i um i everyone has in one way or another struggle some some more than others obviously mm. others are different but over over time i've just learned to to look back at my life and i've i've been able to see that most of my growth and my resilience and and my peace has actually come as a result of moving through adversity yeah so now the the idea whenever i've been stuck in this this habit of trying to outrun adversity and trying to resist anything that's uncomfortable or resist pain or whatever it is, it's, it, it, it just destroys me. As soon yeah. as I accept it and I can, I can um, now I perceive any type of adversity as an opportunity for growth, like a puzzle, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, cool. This is here now. There's nothing I can do about it. I have to accept it. I have to welcome it. And then my, my thought process is, all right, what is what is this teaching me? What are my thoughts? What are my emotions? They're anything. It's like a puzzle. So, yeah. 
Oh, that, and um, yeah. that's kind of how I view it. And and so when people do say similar things, you know, do you wish that you didn't go through that, you know, anxiety or leukemia? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Um, it, it, it is what it is and I'm I'm stronger for it. So Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, um, I, I can actually really relate with what you were saying about, um, you know, not really uh, acknowledging and well, not really kind of fully grasping your mortality as a teenager. I mean, I, I was exactly the same. I just, you know, growing up, I actually had no idea how serious my condition was. I... I knew that I had this black cloud above me and I knew that my uh, future was uncertain, but Mm. I didn't fully realise until my early 20s of like, oh, I've actually, um, you know, kind of, I wasn't supposed to be here now. You Mm. know, Mm. so I understand completely what you're saying. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And and also, like, I I operate on just because there's, a path isn't obvious doesn't mean there isn't one. Like exactly, I, I'm, yeah. I'm very fascinated by, um, you know, studies and stuff of, of people who have recovered, uh, you know, from things that doctors said you could, you know, you could never recover from. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a whole world out there and, and so many people have different stories, amazing stories. And, um, you know, when, when I was given a path, uh, to, to you know a recovery from some of the mental health challenges I didn't take it because it didn't resonate with me I, I just and it was the most common path that, yeah. that people take and it was everybody and I, was, I just ignored it I was like no okay all right well that's valid that's one path there's a whole world out there and I've got to I've got to explore it and work it and and luckily I did because I did find paths and um you know so that's kind of how I operate, I operate as well yeah Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because for me, whenever a challenge comes up, big or small, I'm pretty much exactly the same where I'm just like, rightio, this is a, yeah, as you said, a puzzle. Like, how do I, like, the, the, the part of my brain kind of goes, rightio, bring it on. How am I going to kind of get past yeah. it? It's a bit like a video yeah. game where I'm like, I've got to beat this level. How do I do it? You that's know? right. That's right. And I, I um, it, it, it's easy to underestimate how much suffering resistance causes. Like it, it's easy to, when when a situation presents itself, to just assume it's the situation that's causing you um, pain. That might be causing you a certain amount of pain, but your reaction and how you perceive the whole thing is going to determine whether it, you're going to add a whole heap more pain <laughs> yeah. to it that's going to, that's going to, um, drag on or whether it's going to do the opposite. And it's it's re- just general resistance to um, what is um, has show, showed me that. It's kind of like, you know, when I when I used to do MMA, um, mm. uh, to be in the ring, um, when I'm leaning in and welcoming this situation, um, it's not uncomfortable. It's, 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 it, it's fine. But when mm-hmm. I'm resisting and I'm trying to run, from what's actually happening, then it's 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 almost a traumatic experience. So yeah, you got to lean in. You have to lean in. Yeah, yeah. it it kind of. I just thought of a bit of a philosophical expression. You know, you can't be chased by something you face. Ah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, what is that? Um, I think Tony Robbins said something like, 
Um, something about um, the dog bit Johnny, um, but instead Johnny bit the dog or something oh, like that. So, yeah, just yeah. The, the lines of, you know, don't wait for the dog to bite you. You, you bite the dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, don't worry. Anyway. Don't worry, Rusty. I'm not going to bite you. I'm just telling my <laughs> yeah, gu- I'm, I'm just telling my guide dog. Don't worry, I'm not going to bite him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably a bad example. So. <laughs> but yeah, not don't take that literally, people. Uh, no, but no. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I mean, I I could talk about all of this like all all day, but I mean, the reason why we're chatting today, I mean, apart from just to chat and like swap awesome stories is that in a recent press release you actually announced that you're uh releasing your first solo album demons on august 6 which features the single before you check out uh and you also got a music video to go with that but if that wasn't good enough for people then you've also announced that you're um, performing at Blues Fest 2021 and doing an October-November Australian tour. And... Wait, there's more people. ABC's Australian Stories are also featuring um, an episode on your story, which, like, wow, that's incredible. Okay. Yeah, which, which I got a little bit excited uh, because last night it aired. Um, it, it, it'll be on a, uh, ABC iView and all that stuff over the next two weeks. Actually, I believe it, it may be available now. But Ooh. I I just thought, you know what, this is all happening now. I'm just going to release the album. I'm going I'm to push the button now. So yeah. I jumped the gun yesterday and I just went, all right, the album is out. Um, but yeah, and fingers crossed that the, we do have this tour, October, November, December um, happening this year and the tour will go ahead it's just the the dates may have to be rescheduled but yeah. for obvious reasons so yeah. yeah oh well well um i feel a bit ashamed that i uh kind of missed the missed the flyer that you know um the that it did oh, actually no, air all good. air last yeah, night it was, wow it, it was a it was a strange uh strange feeling to watch it uh it all unfold and they did a great job they kept it real um, you never really know what you're going to get um, when you put, you know, your life in the hands of, of a, you know, of a creator. Yeah. Um, and but they did a fabulous job. Um, yeah. Was it a bit daunting, kind of going on there and sharing your story, in you know, in front of you know, like potentially millions of people? Um, no, not for me. Like I've, I've, I've. <laughs> I'm, whether it's my friends or or online or whatever, I just love going deep and 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 sharing that stuff. And and I think yeah, um, the the thing that was probably mostly daunting is is I was just hoping that they packaged it up and they uh, properly and broadcasted it in a accurate way. Yeah, um, that was the, the part that I was a little bit concerned about. And fortunately, it was good. It was great. So we got a lot of pos- positive feedback, and it taught me that whole process taught me a lot about myself because they asked deep questions that I didn't, you know, that had me uh, going back and digging up parts of the past that um, I'd buried. So it was, it was a really, um, yeah, really special process. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. And so with your album Demons, which 
was supposed to come out on August 6th, but you were just too excited and released <laughs> early. So, okay, so I, I noticed in um, the kind of preview video clip, um, you know, uh, that around the press release time, you released a three-minute video kind of um, giving a teaser of the Australian story episode and whatnot. You said that you went from... Um, performing in front of thousands of people and that was a place to heal. Um, and so what would you say this album is to you? Like, if performing is a place to heal, what is this album to you? Well, uh, this album was created during that time where I did step away from music because of the mental health problems I had. So, ah. it, so I, I didn't think I was ever going to be able to perform and again I just couldn't imagine I was so broken down that I couldn't imagine how I'd ever get had the capacity to mentally and you know with some of the physical things I was dealing with at the time that I I had no idea what they were um, I just couldn't understand how I'd, I'd be able to get back to touring and and you know I was mentally things were just skewed so much like mm. all the fears were irrational I was on this three-year cycle of insomnia where I was could only sleep three hours a night and then mm. you know during the day I was experiencing irrational dread so to to be in that state like sleep torture um and to try and perform on stage was just uh, it, yeah it was just it was really intense so one thing during that time of I, I call it an, an awakening, really, mm. um, because it, it, I, I learned so much about myself during that time out of self-preservation. I had to, there's, there's, yeah. I, I couldn't live like that anymore, so I had to learn and I had to research and, and experiment. And but that during that time, I I, I kept writing. Oh, songs, that's good. But it, I was able to reconnect with music because uh, reconnect with music in the same way that I had when I was a kid where it wasn't about career goals or anything, because as far as I was concerned at that point, I wasn't going to get back into music. So literally, um, for expression, yeah. self expression. And that's where these songs come from. They come from that place. And some of those songs carry a message that's, that is, um, you know, a, a lessons that have transformed my life, whether it's, um, about how our thoughts and emotions colorize our experience and and to um, acceptance to um, embracing our demons instead of trying to outrun them. Yeah. Um, and then there are just some good fun bangers on there as well where, yeah. not, you know, they're not so emotive and, and um, they're just, you know, some of the, um, yeah, just good cheeky feel-good songs. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Castles in the Sky is, is one of is, those, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Castles in the Sky, Queen and Gold Stars. They're, they're some of the, the, the bangers that are a little bit more lighthearted. And it does feel like quite an emotional release as well to have this all out there now. And it's yeah. sort of out of my hands now. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I've got to plug your single before you check out. And so this is quite an emotional song by the sounds of it. Like, I, I suck at lyrics and interpreting it all. Melodies, I'm great. Lyrics, I'm like, hang on, did he say this or that? You know, <laughs> anyway. But I can tell it's a very emotional song. So 
does this song like because this is a, a single which you've got um, a video to, and as I said, I am blind people, so I'm not even going to bother doing an you know analysis on the video. So you can watch it yourself. But, but anyway, so does before you check out hold a special place in your heart that made you kind of want to make it a single? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's um, I I wrote that song after I lost. Um, a, a cousin to mental health struggles mm. and it came uh, I remember after his funeral and we were we, I was walking along the bay and near where I lived and I was just so lost in thought and emotion and obviously felt really sad because I not not only just for his family but I, I also kind of identified with what he went through because at that time I was just coming out of the fog myself Mm. And um, and then I felt a bit of regret that I I didn't get the opportunity to to sit with him and and share some of the stuff that I had learnt. Um, so, I, I, you know, being swept up in those thoughts, I, I you know was thinking, well, what would I have shared with him if I had my time again? And yeah. then I just had this sunrise pop up in front of me and I thought, God, I didn't even see that this sunrise was there the whole time. And then, then it hit me. And then yeah. I just knew that I had to write about how our thoughts can just sweep us up and, and take us out of, out of the world. Like we're not even here. And if we we're identified with our thoughts and we don't understand that they're colorizing our experience, then we can often be misguided when we're trying to find a source of suffering when we're in a situation. So the lyric came out before you check out, before you give in, just know you're checking out of a place you've never been. Before you check out, before you give in, just know you're checking out of a place you've never been. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I felt it was, and, and it, I mean, that's a, a very simple but powerful transformative lesson that I had to learn that really made my life um, better. And I don't know whether that's something that could have helped him, but it's just something that came to mind and I decided to put it into a song. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So just quickly touching on your performances coming up, you know, whether it is actually this year or next year for your Australian tour and also your Blues Fest um, appearance. So... Are you excited to get back on stage? Oh yeah, I'm hanging. I'm absolutely hanging, and especially now because the, you know the world has is, isn't letting me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I was uh, I would have had um, one tour already done, completed this year, supporting Jeff Martin from the Tea Party. Oh wow! And obviously a couple festivals, and so um, yeah, I'm I'm very much hanging, and um, but. Yeah, again, it, um, it, there's a silver lining in, in everything that's going on um, at the moment. I think a lot of people are finding that amongst all the crap. And um, one of them for me was that I was able to finish the album. It would have been very difficult for me to finish that while I was touring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed these dates. Go ahead. Um, but if not, we'll just, we'll just have to remove them and that's okay. Yeah. And on the plus side, like I know I'm like, I've always looked forward to every single gig I go to and just lost myself in the moment. But I think that people like, you know, the, the common expression absence makes the heart grow fonder. I really think people now are going to appreciate 
when live music resumes, I think people are going to appreciate it so much more. And I can imagine they're going to give you so much more love and energy, which like, I, I can imagine these shows are going to be so much more special when they do happen. Uh, I hope so. I mean, from from my perspective, it, it would be, and, and funny enough, that exactly what you're saying is literally what um, the song Demons is about, is about when you're, I, I wrote it at a time when these things felt like they'd been taken away from me, and it reminded me of, yeah, the things that I, I should never take for granted. If I could do it all again, I wouldn't take it. And I think that's also a silver lining with what's going on. It is showing us, you know, what's important. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, as, as I said before, I could talk all day. I really could. But, we, <laughs> but we've come to near the end. But we can't leave it without my favourite question of all. That's right, people. It's yeah. what the F time. Well, I'm not a crook. Ah, so, Nathan, <laughs> I hope you've been keeping this in the back of your head. So, yeah. what would you say is the most hilarious, priceless, what the F moment on your music career? <laughs> I've got one. I've got one. Um, so... I am playing, I'm 12 years old and I, I just finished touring America, these little sort of blues bars, and I got flown to Zurich, Switzerland mm. um, to play a, a, a massive festival called Out in the Green and that had about 60,000 people there. Wow. And now this was at a time where I didn't know, I didn't know a lot of the artists that I was surrounded by. Yeah. And I, we look at the itinerary and they've they've put me on on main stage after Elton John oh. and um, before Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. Wow! And so I I I I I'm side of stage. I'm watching Elton John just rock sixty thousand people, arms in the air, and I'm about to go on. And obviously, I'm I'm packing it, and I I I get on. I do my thing. And there's this old guy on the side of the stage and he's watching the whole time. There were a few. There was George Thorogood was one and then there were a couple of older dudes that were there as well. And um, I got off stage and this this old guy comes up to me and he, he asked for my autograph. He said it was fantastic. He loved it, blah, blah, blah. And I say to him, yeah, okay, um, I yeah, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'll, I'll just go see my mum. Uh, she should have a CD and yeah. I can sign it. So I go over to mum and I say, mum, that old guy over there wants a CD. And she goes, that old guy over there? And I said, yeah. And she said, that's, that's Jimmy Page. <laughs> and I said, who's Jimmy Page? And because I didn't know who Jimmy Page was. I didn't know who Led Zeppelin was. Like, I was too young. And yep. she said, Led Zeppelin. And I, I said, I, I don't know who you're talking about. And, <laughs> and anyway, so I go back over and I, I lie. I say to him, you know, um, Jimmy Page, I'm such a fan, you know, um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Here's my, my CD. And and then my, my parents said, you need to stick around and watch this show and you're going to get an education. And I watched Page <laughs> and Plant um, do their thing. And I'm like, wow, that is. And and I I wasn't laughing then, but I'm, I laughed 
still, when I reflect on that experience, and just how stupidly, you know, bizarre that was. Wow. Like, and just surreal. And um, yeah, so that's that's um, that would probably be pretty close to one of the most epically uh, hilarious music orientated yeah. stories. Yeah, what the f for sure. That's Whoa, what the f. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today, but we'll leave it with one more. Okay, so now, as we know, your story is absolutely incredible and people can check it out on Australian Story, on ABC and online and everywhere. So what would your kind of... Uh, parting message to the world be like if you could say to the world like if the whole world was listening and wondering who you are and where you're going next what is your parting statement oh that's a big one um who am i and where am i going next oh i don't know how to answer that um uh i mean when I was a kid, I, I played guitar. That's how I communicate. And now as an adult, I feel like I've got things that I want to say. And I, and I, I put that into my songs. That's what music is a form of connection for me. So when I play on stage, it's self-expression, but it, 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 it matters because I, I'm, I'm connecting when it, when, when I'm connecting and that's my goal when it comes to music. So if I can just, keep connecting with people and keep inspiring people or bringing them just simple joy, um, then I feel like my my purpose with regards to that has been fulfilled. Oh, fantastic. Again, it has been an absolute joy talking to you. And I just realized I've taken up so much of your time. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, It's all good. It was all good. I've completely enjoyed myself. Oh, oh, as have I. Yeah, great. Oh, awesome. And don't forget, people, to check out Keen Eye for Concerts on all your favourite socials and sign up to our newsletter at keeneyeforconcerts.com. And please do not forget to check out Nathan on all of his favourite socials and check out Demons on all of your favourite so- uh, uh, streaming, JB, whatever. Just check it out, people. Thank you so much, Nathan. Before you check out, before you give in, just know you're checking out of a place you never been